Listener Production. The atmosphere. Protective bubble around the Earth's surface, right? Well, I'm not so sure. A bubble is something with a really clear edge, and the atmosphere doesn't have one of those. It just gets thinner and thinner until about 10,000 kilometers above the Earth's surface, where it's pretty much indistinguishable from space. So things can leave, and in fact one element regularly does. But that said, 99% of the gases in the atmosphere are less than 30 kilometers above the Earth's surface, and they interact with each other in a big, weird soup. Even when we talk about things like the ozone layer, we don't actually mean whole layers of pure gases. The ozone layer is just a point in the atmosphere where the gas ozone is a bit more prevalent than it is at other points. I'm Ellen Fidian, science journalist with Cosmos magazine, and today I'm wondering, how do we turn our air into food? Where does our atmosphere come from, and is it true that we're running out of helium? After the Earth formed four and a half billion years ago, volcanoes spewed a bunch of gases like methane, carbon dioxide and sulfur above the planet, and Earth's gravity kept them hanging around. Earth marinated in this carbony soup for another two billion years, during which it formed life, and then, because of that, a thing called the Great Oxygenation Event burst onto the scene. Little organisms called cyanobacteria started belching oxygen into the atmosphere as a byproduct of their CO2 consumption, and oxygen levels started to increase. For the next couple of billion years, oxygen levels were mostly on the rise, until they got to a maximum about 300 million years ago. Then, lots of fires, which consume oxygen, and living organisms that breathe oxygen in, started bringing the numbers down again to our current levels. During this entire time, another gas called nitrogen was leaking out of the crust, alongside a small amount of another gas called argon. This is how we got to today. Our atmosphere is made up of just over three quarters nitrogen, a bit more than one-fifth oxygen, and a little under one percent argon. The rest, which is under 0.05%, is other stuff. Mostly carbon dioxide, also hydrogen, helium, neon, and methane. Because it's a big soup of molecules, different gases can enter and exit the atmosphere at different speeds. There's a lot of oxygen in the air because there's a lot of living things that make it. There's a lot of nitrogen in the atmosphere because nitrogen molecules are super stable and don't react very much at all. They just hang around in the air, being ignored by everyone who is a fertilizer manufacturer. More on that in a minute. Argon is even less reactive than nitrogen, so it hangs around invisibly too. But those smaller trace gases do react with other stuff. That's why they're only there in small amounts. Methane, which is a potent greenhouse gas, only stays in the atmosphere for a decade or two, because it reacts with a byproduct of water vapour called hydroxide, turning into carbon dioxide and water. Actually, hydroxide cleans up a lot of the trace greenhouse gases in our atmosphere. Some researchers call it atmospheric detergent because of this. Unfortunately, carbon dioxide is too stable to get scrubbed by hydroxide, which is one of the reasons we're so worried about it. While it does get drawn out of the atmosphere via other processes, like trees, the ocean, and some rocks, we're pumping CO2 into the atmosphere way faster than it can naturally come out. You might hear climate change deniers bleating about how the atmosphere is only 0.04% carbon dioxide, and this is true. But remember we're talking about 0.04% of a really big thing. The smallest value you can put on the total volume of the atmosphere is 16 million cubic kilometres. So 0.04% of that is 6,400 cubic kilometres. 
Try to imagine a block that's a kilometre high, 64 kilometres long, and 100 kilometres wide. Besides, small proportions can make quite a bit of difference. If you suddenly became 0.04% arsenic, you wouldn't be alive for long to debate its effects. Now, I want to take a look at the biggest part of the atmosphere, nitrogen. While it's not very active in the atmosphere, nitrogen is a really crucial part of all living organisms. Among other things, nitrogen atoms are central to our DNA and our proteins. This is why people talk about getting lots of nitrates, or nitrogen, into soil when they're growing plants. This can be done just by encouraging nitrogen-fixing microbes in the soil, which suck it out of the air. But it's much easier and more productive to use fertilisers. And the vast majority of fertilisers are made of air. In the early 20th century, a German chemist named Fritz Haber figured out an economical way to react that super-stable nitrogen with hydrogen, turning it into ammonia which can then be used for fertiliser and all sorts of other industrial materials. The Haber process is still how most fertiliser is made today. It's the chemical reaction that turns air into food, and it's why we've been able to grow enough food to sustain 9 billion people. But no mention of Fritz Haber is complete without adding that his process first made it to industry so that the Germans could make nitric acid and then explosives with it in the First World War, and Haber spent the rest of his career developing chemical weaponry. Complicated dude. Now, people are trying to turn air into other stuff, particularly the carbon dioxide in the air. Called carbon capture and use, the idea is you suck the CO2 out of the atmosphere, then turn it into something else, like ceramics, or pharmaceuticals, or sugar, or maybe even fuel that you could burn again. But there's a reason this industry hasn't taken off in the same way the Haber process did 100 years ago. Remember that the atmosphere is only 0.04% carbon dioxide. It takes a lot of energy and the right materials to extract and purify that carbon. It's pretty much always going to be cheaper to take the carbon that's on or in the Earth and use that. So while it certainly doesn't hurt to remove carbon dioxide, I don't think it's ever going to be something that pays for itself. Now, let's investigate something that doesn't hang around in the atmosphere. Helium. Helium is even less reactive than nitrogen, and it's much lighter. In fact, it's so light that it's not held down by Earth's gravity, like all the other gases we've been talking about. That's why helium balloons float. This is actually a bit of a problem, because helium can just straight up leave our atmosphere, and it does. We mine helium from underground to use it in medical devices like MRI scanners, also nuclear reactors, and a few other important things, including cool space balloons. And when we're done with it, it floats away. It's the only truly non-renewable resource. But for now, there's way more helium under the Earth than we could use in several decades, and while mining it is kind of tricky, we're not set to actually run out of it anytime soon. I'm much more worried about carbon staying in the atmosphere than I am about helium leaving it. Now that you know what you're breathing in, I'm going to make like helium and leave. For the latest in science news, don't forget to check out the Science Briefing, also available here on the Listen app, and head to cosmosmagazine.com for more science just like this. Otherwise, we'll be back again next time for another Huh? Science Explained. <laughs>